In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm not sure if you're literate in good film, but one of my favorite films, uh, a classic of cinematography, and a Christmas classic as well, is the Jimmy Stewart film, It's a Wonderful Life. In it, uh, Jimmy Stewart begins to doubt the goodness of his own life because of all the horrible things that have happened to him, and so he asks the Lord to take him away, to uh, make it as if his life had never existed, and he's granted a vision of what the world would be like if he hadn't been there, and he realizes all the great good that he has done in the world, and also the great good that God has done in the world because of him. Mary is sort of like Jimmy Stewart, because she shows us what the world could be like if it wasn't for original sin. Mary is the answer to the age-old question of the problem of evil in the world. Evil happens, and people will often come, particularly to priests, but I'm sure to many of you, and say, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? If God's all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? Why does he allow these bad things to happen to good people? And maybe you've even thought that yourself in your own prayer life. And Mary is the answer to that because Mary points out that all the sufferings of the world aren't a result of what God has done, but is a result of our first parents turning their back on God. God is the source of life. He's the source of goodness, the source of all beauty in the world. And so when we turn our back on him, it's like taking something necessary out of the equation. And you know, the world continues on at least for a while, without God in the equation. But it doesn't run the way it ought to run. Those of you who are preparing for your licenses, hopefully someone's told you that your engines, they require oil. And if you fail to put new oil into your engines, they will work for some time, maybe even for a year, maybe even for two years, but eventually your engine will seize. And it won't be good for your engine. And things will start to break down. And pretty soon you're going to end up on the side of the road having to call for a ride or thumb your way home because your engine won't be working anymore. That's essentially what happens in original sin. We turn our back from the mechanic who knows how the engine of the world works and we don't put oil into the engine. And the engine keeps on working. We say, oh, look, we got away with something. God promised our original parents, if we sinned, we would surely die. He didn't say immediately, though. And so Adam and Eve turned their back on God, and they don't die, at least not immediately, but they reap the consequences of turning their back on God. Mary shows what would have happened had we been faithful, had we obeyed God, had we cooperated with him. And although it doesn't say a lot in sacred scripture about the Blessed Virgin Mary and what the ramifications are of her Immaculate Conception, the church has been thinking about the Immaculate Conception for a long time. You may know from church history that the Feast of the Immaculate Conception 
was only uh, promulgated as a dogma, as something we must believe in uh, the 19th century. But uh, the church has been thinking about the Immaculate Conception really from the beginning, at least from the second century. Fathers of the church like Ephraim the Syrian uh, have written extensively about what it means for Mary to be preserved from original sin, to be a perpetual virgin, to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, to be full of grace. And something that we should think about too. Yesterday we talked about holy doctrine and the day before as well, and how the gift of holy doctrine is a blessing because it has ramifications in our life. Well, what does the dogma of the Immaculate Conception mean to you and me right now? Well, it means that God is good. And it shows us how God's original plan was a plan for our prospering and not for our suffering. Mary, because she was immaculately conceived, grew to full stature, but at some point she stopped aging because we think aging is a function of sin. And it's interesting now that biologists and geneticists are talking about the fact that, yeah, there are things broken in our genetic makeup in our bodies that cause aging. And they're theorizing that maybe through science we could tinker with things and stop the aging process. Now that's probably not a good thing for you, those of you who are short and want to grow a little bit taller and get a little bit older, but when you become fully adult, then everything starts falling apart, right? And so that's a result of original sin. Suffering is a result of original sin. Work is a result of original sin. Being separated from God and having the anxiety that comes from being separated from God is a result of original sin. Mary didn't have any of those things. And it's important to think about Mary and how she was before original sin because it vouchsafes for the goodness of God that God created the world truly good, and it's only because of our sin that the world is broken, but it also points us towards our destiny in heaven. In heaven there will be no sin. In heaven there can be no sin. Heaven will be perfect. It'll be like that prelapsian state in Eden, but only better because Christ gives us more than what Adam and Eve had. He gives us an invitation into the life of the Blessed Trinity, the beatific vision. And so thinking about Mary helps us to contemplate our future and our possible past. Thinking about Mary also allows us to think about what the grace of God can do in us if we cooperate with it. You see, Mary was preserved from original sin by a grace won by her son on the cross. The same grace, by the way, which is given to all of us in the sacraments. And although Mary is privileged in a particular way and has an easy time of cooperating with God, in fact, she doesn't experience concupiscence, we who do encourage experience concupiscence have the same graces that allow us to overcome that fall, to overcome those temptations. And so it's important for us to think about Mary and think about how she lived her life. Now, Mary did suffer. Wait a minute, I thought suffer was a, suffering was a consequence of original sin. Well, Mary didn't suffer from the breakdown of her body 
She didn't suffer anything internally, but she suffered because she lived in a world surrounded by those of us who are sinners, who caused the world to be disordered. And so we call Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, whose seven swords pierced her immaculate heart. Right? She suffered the results of other people sinning around her, and she suffered most grievously when she saw her son go to the cross for the salvation of the world as a result of sin. But in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that questioning, that uncertainty about what God is doing, what does Mary do? Which is, in fact, a good advice and a good model for all of us. Well, she constantly turns to God, and that's easy for her because God is always present to her as someone without original sin. Prayer came easy for Mary. It doesn't come easy for us, but it is possible for us to pray like Mary if only we make the choice to do so, to discipline ourselves. In the midst of all of the suffering, all of the turmoil, all of the brokenness of the world, Mary invites us, always to seek the word of the God of the Lord to look for his holy angels who are bringing messages to us and when we hear those messages to be courageous enough to say let it be done to me according to thy word and so as we go to the altar of God on this the feast day of our patroness in the United States let's think a little bit in our meditations today and in our thanksgiving after mass about Mary about how she was preserved from original sin, about how those same graces are offered to us through the sacrament, and about how Mary prayed and was not afraid because she believed that God was in charge and she knew God's love for her. And she heard the word of God and pondered in her heart and did his will. Let it be done to me according to thy word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.